Welcome to the basement. Welcome to the basement. What up, though? Yo, growing up, I only ever had two constants in my life. My granddad's basement and my granddad's basement. There's something you can ride to, something you can vibe to, something you can chill to, something you can smoke to, something that'll make you think, something that'll make you feel good. I'm just a dude from a trailer park trying to figure out the universe. How deep you want to go? 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 Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to the basement. I'm getting, I'm getting worked up lately. I'm in the middle of uh, a long stretch of anxiety, to be real with you, just to, to open up and, and keep it real. Just this, uh, just un, un, uneasement, unsettlement, just based on society human actions, human interactions, and wild shit going on in like a global level down to, on a glo- like a, a global uh, government level, down to like a, a, our current like state of government. Right now I got some things, things running through and then I got all kinds of, of love and good pouring in on the other end of the spectrum. I just watched one of my sisters. I got five sisters, y'all. And my mom has, so my dad has two girls. I'm the oldest of eight. My dad has two girls, and then my mom has has five other kids. So my, yeah, so my mom has six kids, and then my dad has two more. Uh, of my mom's kids, my uh, I got three sisters, and the middle one, I'm like 16 years older than her, but she just played her first college basketball game, uh, and it was just, uh, it was just beautiful to watch. She's first of all, she's six foot. Uh, force on the court. Six, she's six one, and she, she. I mean, she can ball. She's got game. Uh, I've been watching her since she's a little girl, and uh, it's always just a real pleasure to watch her because she's she's the most dominant force on the court. And the only issue I've ever seen with her is uh, coaching, coaching issues. And the way I was watching their offense run today, uh, it's just, it's not, the offense isn't set up for her. Just, they got they got thirteen girls on this team. Seven of them are freshmen. Wild. That's so wild to me that they have freshmen. Uh, over half the team is freshmen, uh, but they're out there, you know, wanting the ball. So they're they're a little scrappy. Uh, but she comes out and it's the first half. They were down fourteen ten. She comes in, boom, gets fouled, shoots two three throws, swish, and it might have just started. My eyes just started welling up, and I was just like, man, she's out there, got a point. And then the announcer, like right as I'm thinking it, the announcer's like, and Sierra Rain logs her first collegiate point. And I just started crying. And she swishes the second one and then comes out on the next series and uh, and hits the jumper tie game 14 14. So it was and it was nice. And she was just clearing the rebounds. And and but hold up. Hello. What uh, what do you got going on? Huh? I said you didn't answer my text. I got two hoodies. One I think you would like, but it's boring and you probably have the same player. Two is super cute, but I'm not sure you'd like it. You want pictures? Super cute? Yeah. I, I, I mean, you, you, I, you've known me plenty long. Well, that's why I just laid it out for you. One to, I know you like. You, you, you know how I'm going to treat this hoodie any which way it goes. So whichever one you feel is going to withstand the way I treat hoodies. 
you want the super cute one? I leave it up to your full and complete judgment, and I feel you have learned from the follies of your ways where you got me a V-neck t-shirt. We've come, no. we've come very far. I'm sending you a picture, and you can mix it or not. <sighs> Wouldn't you just give me Let's a hoodie, please? The safe hoodie? What? I want you to make a decision as an I adult. I want you to get this one, but I... Okay, I'm Sounds great. You're then. Gonna wear it. I love you. I love you back. And goodbye. All this hoodie talk. I'm wearing a hoodie right now. I'm wearing my, the, the last hoodie I got to beat the shit out of. Uh, it's got it's branded Long Realty. And it, it, I don't know. Just che- I like cheap hoodies that I can fuck up. Like I don't got like any fresh hoodies. Maybe one. I might have like one fresh hoodie, but all I, I think I got a tracker. I got a. I got a closet full of dirty hoodies smelling like weed. Like I don't know. I just. I love hoodies. I'm. I'm. I'm from Wisconsin. When it comes down to it, I, I claim Minnesota and Wisconsin. But when it comes down to a lot of my the way I dress, jeans and a t-shirt, and give me a fucked up hoodie all day. That's straight up Eau Claire, Wisconsin. At least uh, back in the '90s, early 2000s. But no, man, I'm sitting there crying watching girls basketball, girls college basketball. And it was cool. She went on and she dropped, uh, she had a few buckets, a uh, bunch of boards, like nine rebounds, a couple of blocks. Like she, uh, she was out there balling. She's like, uh, just, just watching that game. I was like, oh, she should be starting by the end of the year, by mid, by mid season, three, four or five games in. I'm guessing she's going to be a starter. Uh by skill, by skill set, um, coach doesn't, they're not utilizing, they're, they're, they're a guard. That's the one thing I've noticed a lot is watching youth basketball and playing youth basketball since I was a kid. You get coached by a lot of guards and not a, they, they don't understand and know how to use a dominant uh, center. Now, I had a really good thing going one year in like middle school. And there was a couple teams in like Eau Claire, like they they kind of got it. But then the high school game really transitions to a guard game completely and entirely. And a lot of that is just for a lack of understanding of Biggs coaching and how to do it. And how and when you actually have an athletic uh, dominant, you know, four or five, how to utilize just under the basket, not not make it a jump shot offense. If you if you if you you know if. Yeah, if your team is tailored, it's, you have a small team, a fast team, and you're going to, you know, you're, you're, that's your design, cool. Then, yes, obviously you're going to have a run-and-gun shoot style, shoot-first offense. But when you get that dominant athletic big, you got to look at things just a little bit differently. And that's one thing I like about, like, the triangle offense, Phil Jackson's offense. It's it's a best-look offense. It runs through the center. You need the center to be almost one of your most smartest people on on the court and whether you're looking talking about like uh, uh luke longley back with the bulls or if you're talking about Shaq with the with the millennium lakers like the triangle offense or when you get into the the later lakers uh with phil jackson and uh Paul gasol and they met a world peace rocking down there like the the, the later championship years with, with uh kobe and, and that crew with jordan farmar on there like it's still Set, yes, it, you, your guard has the ball. They get the initial first look. At, you know, you take a look inside and then kick the ball back out to wherever the the best look is, where where the defense is weak is kind of. And I we ran. We didn't run a triangle offense in seventh grade, but we had a really good. I had a really smart point guard. We ran the pick and roll. We ran a high pick and roll. So I run up, set the screen. Uh, Jordan Jordan Stang. He was my point guard. He would go left or right, and he would either take the layup. Uh, uh, a little a little dump dime off to me 
And then it was up to me to hit the shot or reset the offense, kick it out to a wing, perhaps. And then every now and then I'd get like boxed out of position. Jordan's layup would be blocked and he would uh, kick it out to a wing. That was that was the gist of our offense in seventh grade. And it worked really well uh, for the time. It was probably something that if we would have stuck to it, but that was seventh grade, eighth grade different set of coaching then we get into high school and me and him were together that whole time through freshman year so we played together for three seasons and we had just really good rapport but the coaching changed and the offenses changed so what we had in seventh grade we weren't able to to really hone that and craft that we we, we would still pull it out every now and then but it wasn't uh what the cir- the offense circled around and uh, but and it still revolved that those three specific years that's when i was kind of still more more athletic and taller than everybody else. Nobody had caught up to me. Yeah, that was until about ninth or 10th grade. And that's when I decided to, I didn't want to mess around with school activities anymore and really pulled away just from the idea of school and the system and whatever was going on in my mind at the time, just psychologically, that's something I'm going to have to go back and really analyze. I haven't, I haven't, this is the first time thinking this out loud, saying, uh, Saying what you know, I I don't I know I haven't really examined my pubescent life, my journey. I know it was all weird, out of place, but nonetheless, even when I went from Wisconsin in my senior year, transferred over to Minnesota, I was still just detaching, just pulling myself away from just the school system because I didn't like it set up the way it was designed, the way the things we were going through, you know. So that kind of, you know, I didn't go to college. I didn't give myself an opportunity to go to college. Later on in life, I went to community college, but I never, you know, I, I didn't put forth any effort. Like, that, I just knew that wasn't in my thing. As far like, my first day of high school, I remember walking in and, like, well, this is this is awful. This isn't like middle school. And this, but it, but it's, I mean, it's still a public school system. So it's just like the rigmarole of classes. It's like on a bigger scale, the age gap of people, and just like, oh, man. All right, this is just not for me. I'm joining the army. That was my th- first day of high school. No bullshit. And I walk out, and slowly my my GPA went three point four, three point two, two point eight, and then I graduated with like a like a two point one or one point nine. Something that was a really I had a really C minus D D plus average. It wasn't great. Not great by by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I, I did. I made it through and just went straight and just still pretty much just straight into the military. Took uh, eight nine months, just around Minnesota, slumming around, working overnight to the gas station. Joined the Air Force and I don't know. Joined the military. I don't know. Some people struggle in the military. I think overall on, on the bell curve, people get through the military just fine. And then some people like have good careers and stay a really long time and really enjoy themselves and do, uh, you know, stick through to a retirement. But it's, you know, it's it's average. It's your it's your most average and basic. There's not just and just like any institution, you're going to have standout employees who excel and do great and amazing things and you're going to have a a lot of other people just doing the absolute bare minimum and that doesn't you know change itself in the military yeah as far as averages across the board obviously uh, special forces is on the other side of the bell curve you know they're they're the elite of the elite the people who want to do this all right do this warship and you know and you got Lower end people who can't even adapt and are, and are, you know, kind of sent on the back to mama program real quick, real early. And I've seen that happen several times for, for various reasons. 
But nonetheless, like I didn't, uh, you know, college wasn't a thing. Like it was my life it took a completely different path. And I guess I'll just look into that and break that down just later on through time. And I'm probably really reexamine some of my old music. I was, I was talking in one of the last couple of podcasts, two podcasts ago, I think, yeah, episode 59, just starting to bring you some music. I think that'll help me analyze because I did a project about a decade ago, a little over a decade ago, and I was 25. And it was a lot of a lot of rhymes, a lot of poems, a lot of lyrics that I wrote over five plus years prior, like between. Yeah. I mean, probably like, yeah, probably for five, six years and maybe even some older, like, you know, pulled some stuff out of old, just a bar or two out of an old high school notebook or something like that. So I don't go back and, and look into myself, but I was so proud what I'm what I'm trying to I'm circling around trying to get back to. Is uh, Sierra, my one of my little sisters, just she's she'll be 20 this year and she's a freshman. So she's 19 right now. She took last year off and coming from high school, coming from, you know, just our. She, I mean, she was a standout athlete, conference champions. Uh, I don't think they ever won any state tournament games. The, the Bloomer girls, Bloomer, Wisconsin girls high school basketball had, uh, you know, they were conference champions. My sister was a, she was a a leader on that team, a team captain, I I do believe. But uh, to come out of our household and to watch her graduate high school and decide to take a year off over a little boyfriend, got got a little dick drunk, and she ended up in somewhere else in Wisconsin, not near, just, I don't know, a random Wisconsin town last year and forego her senior or freshman year of college basketball she had d1 offers you know a handful of them plenty of d2 offers and i mean d3 offers didn't even get opened so she's just she's a standout standout female athlete and i mean she can ball i'm telling you myself balled with her before as when she was like 16 17 is probably the last time we were on the court together so a few years ago uh but she can ball we had one of my other sisters out here uh summer my mom's my mom's daughters my my sisters are uh, summer summer sky Sierra Star and Savannah Spring Rain the Rain girls and they're all born ninety nine oh one oh two so my mom and then my brother was born in ninety five so it was like eighty five ninety five ninety nine oh one oh two and then the last boy was baby baby Nick uh, baby bro was born in oh five. Uh, just, just so it was just a, a whole household. So in, in during all that, when all they were growing up and transitioning, uh, a couple of us just, just we, we live with our dad. So the our, our the eighty five and ninety five babies ended up kind of out of the household and with our dads. It was, and I'm obviously twenty years older than my youngest brother. So they're in the point right now where it's still one of them still in high school. Baby bro still in high school, but to watch, you know, just to see the whole trend of the whole family. What has happened after, you know, nobody in my, in my mom's, in my mom's family went to college. Like my grandma didn't go to college. Uh, oh, so both my granddads are, are, have college degrees. My, my grandma, my mom, my maternal grandmother, her, both of her husbands, she had a husband she had the kids with, my mom and her brothers, and then my step-grandpa, who's my granddad, who that's 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 the, the main male role model and influence in my life. Like, they were both, though, college-educated college uh, individuals, and I think one of my uncles was, but 
as well, but he passed away early. So, but in the like immediate family, like neither of my parents, none of my siblings like went to college. My older like stepbrother, uh, he was in college when I was in the Air Force. So it's just not it's just not a really high on the radar thing for my family. And we, uh, you know, when Sierra didn't play basketball, I was like, all right, well, I guess you know it's just the apple and tree situation didn't fall too far. We let her get distracted. And, and I'm saying this, you know, from a distance too, but as it's happening, I was talking to my mom about this. Like we can't let her get distracted. Like it happened to me because I, I was misguided as an athlete. I could have, I had different options uh, in high school and it didn't think nobody took the proper, uh, I, I don't know the right word, get, had the right eyes on and put me in the right situations to, to really excel with myself. I've talked about that before. But it looked like Sierra, the same thing was going to happen. And then for her to come out and bam, now they're three, four, five games into the season. I think they played that game was just Wednesday. It's Saturday right now. So they just play Wednesday, Friday and got like a game tomorrow or something like that. And then a couple more next week. If y'all if y'all are never tuned into like youth basketball, uh, middle school, high school and college levels, it's a game and NBA too. I mean, it's games back to back to just it's a long, it's a lot of games in short succession. We play two games a week sometimes. Uh, sometimes it'll be like a Saturday morning game in high school, JV, some shit like that. So it's it's wild. And then tournaments, tournaments last. Ever been to a, a like a middle school to high school like a sixth, seventh, eighth, maybe a ninth grade basketball tournament, man, those are draining. The schedule is draining. You might be, you might play three games uh, on like the championship day. You might play two games on the first day, uh, or or let's say it's a long tournament. You might play like a scrimmage or just an opening, a seeding game on the first day, and then play two or three games day two, and then two or three games on day three. It's you know five, six, seven games in just two, three days, and it's it's nuts. And it's amazing the energy expended just with with high school boys, and just thinking back back at that time and playing and. And at the same time, though, as I think back at some of those games, some of those tournaments, like my my will to play organized basketball just really dwindled. Just my my just ambitions towards things dwindled. And as I look back on it, I don't know if it's anxiety, depression, just just but a complete lack ADD, just OCD, just but basketball or then the system just entirely just wasn't my thing. So but I was so proud. So proud of my little sister for playing college basketball. University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point, Sierra Ray, number 53, out there just doing it. And it's, you know, no crowd. So it's, I don't know, it's cool to see that too. You know, younger, uh, younger individuals doing something just out of passion, collegiate athletes. It's just thoughts I haven't had in a while. I, I haven't. You know, I haven't really played sports in a minute. Stopped watching most sports for a while. Pro sports, I I'm interested in because I, I like the uh, I like the sport of it. They're they're getting paid, so I don't have a lot of sympathy. Definitely don't have any empathy for things they go through in like their day to day. It'd be nice, like you think a celebrity just in general, like how they're accosted by paparazzi and stuff. I was watching some video of rappers getting mad at paparazzi, just people. All up in their faces for no reason, but it's just like the modern celebrity. That just would just happen to be rappers, but you can make it about, you know, movie stars, all that. And in fact, they did slip. Well, Will Smith is a rapper. They slipped the Will Smith one in there. Some dude tried to kiss him on the mouth sometime 
several years back. Like, look up that clip. Dude goes in, he's on the red carpet going in. Some dude like reaches out, grabs him, hugs him, like kisses him, like all over, like it looked like he's kissed him on his cheek and then I like, kissed him on the mouth or something like that. Will Smith kind of backhand slapped him. And I, you can't walk up to people and do that, man. First, like, besides modern day, pandemically speaking, we're not up on people, but just in, in general, that's not cool. There's a few celebrities I've came across in life. It's And I've had regular conversations. I've left them alone and I've fanboyed out. And the fun times that I've fanboyed out, like, I feel like I was as respectful as possible, asked before anything. Like, I met Hulk Hogan. I went up to the flight attendant. He was in first class. I'm flying coach, but I went up to the first class. I pulled out my military ID. I was like, hey, I can see you were sleeping. I was like, hey, when when Hulk Hogan wakes up, will you ask him if he would talk to uh, a a military member, veteran, Air Force guy? She's like, I'll ask him. And she came back a few minutes later. She's like, he said he would talk to you. I was like, no shit. She's like, yeah, he's in the bathroom. So just go like hang out up behind the cockpit. And I was like, that. You sure? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. I guess we just hang out behind cockpits. And and when was that? The 2011. Like, hold on. We can't just hang out by the cockpit. Y'all remember what happened 10 years ago? Anyways, uh, he comes out of the bathroom, just kind of looks at me. It's like, hey, man, homegirl said you talked to me. What's up? He's like, yeah, hey, brother. We just talked for it. It was like a legit five minutes, maybe seven, you know, right? It was like a legitimate five minutes talk to Hulk Hogan. Biggest, roughest dick beaters. Like I've ever grasped, dude was uh, dude was super cool, uh, and that was a moment. And then a few years later, he got he got blown up. Oh, Hulk Hogan's a racist, and said some some shit in the privacy of his own home concerning his daughter. And I I don't know. He didn't lose my fanhood. I don't know. I feel, I feel like people should be able to say things in in private. And be as open and honest with yourself and your loved ones in those instances and not be like crucified for that, you know, unless, you know, it is you're sitting back with your, your yourself and your loved ones being the most honest and you're talking about plotting and, you know, taking away opportunities or causing harm to individuals. But when you're just expressing feelings, it was, uh, I'm not going to get into it. If you're, if you're so curious emboldened to look it up, go for it. But it's just, just Hulk Hogan TMZ tapes. He dropped some N-bombs or something like that. And, and it wasn't like the worst thing. It wasn't by any means the worst thing. Like it's really minor. It happened to some country singer just the other day too. Uh, veteran Cody, he was, he came out vet check Thursday the other day, he came to the work happy hour. Uh, Vet Check Thursday's been been real quiet for the last last couple of few months. We all last week everybody mobbed up and went to Ian's crib. That was nice. That was refreshing. That was very very feel good. And then this week kind of was kind of back to the new norm. Everybody got stuff going on. Young kids, older kids, balancing sports. Thursday is a weekday. Everybody's got work. A bunch of people got got to go up early in the morning. Like I get it. And we're all, most of us are on the east side, but a couple people strewn, strewn across town. So uh, nonetheless, we're, we're all cool. The text thread, it, it, we're still checking on each other, make sure everybody's doing all right. And some of, you know, we got a little offshoot stuff going on. So the the vet check tr- crew is doing all right. But when this week, <laughs> I was I was kicking it with Cody for a minute. And vet Cody was like, yeah, this country singer, I don't know dude's name. I don't, I mean, or was it a race car, it was a NASCAR driver. Or a country singer, I'm not exactly sure. But he said some shit about, 
he wanted to make sure his friend was getting home safe in an Uber or a cab or something like that. And he dropped some N-bomb. He's like, make sure this motherfucker gets home. Make sure this pig nigger gets home. Like some, something like that to that effect. And I was just, and he's just kind of just drunk, you know, had a few too many, uh, walking casually into his house, just kind of talking shit real loud. And his neighbor filmed him and submitted that shit to TMZ. And I think that's just low. That's, I think that's dirty. I think that's unethical. This you're just nasty motherfucker. Like out here plotting on people, trying to ruin somebody's name, just on just some drunk shit talk. Like, and then you're talking about losing sponsors because we're in some bullshit fucked up culture right now. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like you can't have any slip of the tongue. People can make no mistakes. Yes. When things happen, people do need to be held accountable. And nah, whatever, I don't even remember dude's name. I, I, I just watched it, I read it, but I don't know dude's name. But if you may be familiar with the situation. But nonetheless, on a societal stance, we don't get to take people's jobs away. Like, yes, your accountability is, man, I'm... My bad. Uh, yeah, I was drunk. That's that's no excuse. I'm, I'm sorry. I, like, I didn't mean any ill will towards anybody. I understand what that word means. Like, I, I'm I, like I'm truly am not a racist. You know, or, you know, or I'm from a place where we grew up with racial type stuff, and it's something that I'm working on race relations. Like, I actually don't have a problem with black people, but I do understand that's a word that like I shouldn't use, and I do better. Like, yeah, so let's get public apologies. Let's hold people accountable, but it's not. Oh, now you lose your job. Now you can't work again. Now you don't, you're somebody who, who's famous, so now you become toxic, and we pull sponsor, corporate sponsor ads. But I don't understand why people are still falling victim to this corporate bullshit like setup. Like I don't, I don't get it. I'm talking like through the context of Hollywood, you know, and and even to the extent for every every regular day to day jobs, like you can't. It's I don't know. It's just some things get a little too sensitive. Sometimes when we have bigger issues to worry about, all right, bigger issues to worry about, like on a, on let's go let's go macro let's go macro fucking strap your tinfoil hats on, right now, like over in China right now in China like Hong Kong has been I, I, I feels like maybe the protests have been shut down or they're not reporting on it as much in this country, but for background. Hong Kong, the city of Hong Kong in the in within China, Hong Kong is the capital. I don't know. Whatever Hong Kong is a major city in China, high population, advanced city, a lot going on there. Britain maintained control of it after, for 100 years, and that had been up sometime. I'm not going to put a year on it, but re- recent history, last 50 years, that hundred year thing has ran up and more and very slowly the Chinese government has been working their way to take back Hong Kong. Cause even though Britain left and it was under Chinese control, it was, it became some type of democracy and a, a Westernized city or more Westernized than other places in Asia. And people became accustomed to a certain way of life. And the Chinese government has now came in and said, no, this is, this is China. This is China. Like, we're not fucking around with your, your fuck fuck shit here anymore. This is not how we get down. This is not going to spread throughout the rest of the country. China has been China since China's been China. Okay? You look at any, any version of the map uh, from old uh, uh, Viking uh, sailing maps, old Spanish sailing maps. China done been fucking China. 
Uh, so many other places in this world have have changed demographically, just what it is, names of countries, new countries been formed, you know, land's been taken, places have changed hands. Like there's been like Spain used to own a lot of stuff. France used to own a lot of stuff. Uh, U.S. used to own a lot less stuff. Mexico used to own a lot more stuff. There's all, all types of things have shifted and changed throughout this world. But China always done been China. So China really feels they have a firm grip grasp on how to govern. And some people in this country may disagree with Chinese political theory. Uh, also something. So, so those, uh, so people were protesting in the streets, like we're not pushing back. And then the pandemic broke out and they really kind of stopped reporting on it here. And who knows what, what went down uh, in those streets? Uh, once, once, kind of, you Western eyes turned off a little bit, and because right now in China they're actively shipping. I think it's there's some specific religion, religious practice. It'd be like in America, we're just gonna take all the uh, uh, Mennonites and ship them off to concentration camps. There's some shit like that actively happening right now in China. There are Chinese citizens lined up like to get they're getting on trains and going to concentration camps okay and I, nobody like seems to be talking about that around these parts anyways i don't know much more than that uh and maybe it was a deep fake maybe i'm not maybe i'm not current on my news right now but as far as i know like to me that sounds fucked up like that's not how we get down like the, the people can't defend themselves from their government well, I thought we were working towards some sense of enlightenment. That's what the U.S. was is about. And then there's some shit going down in Myanmar right now. Uh, I'm gonna try to sum, summarize what I learned this morning. There was some like 50, 60 year uh, uh, military dictatorship going on in Myanmar, and. It ended in 2015. Some whatever happened in the country, the people uprose enough and voices were heard enough to where they had their first democratic election and in 2015. And okay, so this lady's now she's the prime minister, president. I, I don't know the exact title in Myanmar, but things seemingly turned around the last five, six years. Uh, and in that five, six year time frame, I mean, things changed a little bit in the country, but one thing went down. They did some, there was supposedly some genocide happening against some certain sect of, of uh, Islam. There was a bunch of Muslims in this country and they were, they ended up having to flee. And this became international news and they're, they're fleeing Myanmar and going across the, across the border to the next nearest country to seek refuge. And so this, so the lady who kind of was the prime minister was like, she backed the military, the military was supposedly in charge of this genocide. And who knows, maybe, maybe they're mistaken or maybe it was something that had been going on. And it's not just a, all of a sudden they're doing this and the the lady the new prime minister of the Dem the democratic the De democratic Myanmar she's like no nah, our military is all good you know she kind of backed them saying like, no nah, they didn't do it. they wouldn't do that we don't do that all right so this was in the, within the last like 5 years and now just the last few days they've uh the military there was an election in November homegirl Re won. She won the election in November 2019. So same time our elections are going on. Myanmar's got elections going on. All right. They reelect homegirl and the military was like, nah, 
unfair election. Ain't happening. We're taking this bitch back over until y'all can get a fair election over here. That's what they're saying. So, but to me, it just sounds like the, the government's taking back the country. They're like, fuck that. And they, because uh, there was protests out in the streets. And I'm sure some people ain't around anymore who were a few days ago over there in Myanmar. And they got they got the president locked up in her house. She's on house arrest. So I presume there's just armed guards uh, patrolling her. And it just seems like a real scary thing to to be going through. And Myanmar is a country that there's, there's like 54 million people and they can't defend themselves. I don't know how powerful this military is, but you know, I don't know what that means. I don't hear it. Myanmar having uh, – massive air superiority i mean maybe they got some tanks maybe they got some some big guns but that comes down to it seems like something that could maybe the type of government that you could have pushback on if their citizens could defend themselves and what's going on in this country right now uh, there was house house resolution 127 to hit the floor just a few uh just a few days ago Last last week, week before, within the last, I think, yeah, I think it was like a, within the last week for basically a, a gun registry, uh, universal background checks, um, psych evals, um, boy, the, the registration would involve a public record of where you store everything. So they're just handing people who want to rob you or people who want to come de-arm you exact access to where your uh, where your weapons are. And it's just, you know, registry, that's, I mean, this is what the, uh, what the Nazi party did in the 30s in, in Germany. This is, this is, this has happened before. They use gun registries and background checks as an excuse to come confiscate. And I would go check out Coleon Noir. He's got much better breakdowns on his YouTube channel, and he's got uh, the podcast cracking too, the Coleon Noir Show or Coleon Noir Podcast, uh, C-O-L-I-O-N-N-O-I-R, two words, Coleon Noir, first, first, it's his, his stage name. Uh, but he's uh, a lawyer. He's, he, he's very, very... High, high intelligent, uh, street smart, book smart individual. Uh, very, very good spokesperson for gun advocacy in 2021 and why it's very important for us as a people to have the ability to arm and defend ourselves. And when you look at uh, everything that's gone on in this country for the last 80 to 100 years, just specifically isolate it down to that with, with gun laws, um, just little stuff, semi-automatic rifle laws being slowly chipped back, pulled away for the last 80 some odd years and still coming after semi-automatic rifles right now. Like uh, AR-15, AK-47, things like that. And I mean, I think we're a, 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 a big, you know, mass, mass active shooter um, situation away. It's been, it was quiet in 2020 and I just, I just don't know what, you know, unfortunately that happens sometimes in this country. It's rare mass shooters, active shooters happen, but they do happen. And it's a really, and it just break down the statistics of, of gun violence, the, the vast, the overwhelming, strong, heavy majority of gun, gun, uh, Deaths by by firearm in this country are uh, uh, suicides and uh, police <clears throat> uh, police involved shootings. So there's I don't know if you really sit down break down the 
the stats, the the numbers, the evidence. Uh, we don't have that that big an issue with gun gun violence. There's there's a, a a very large issue with mental health in this country that I don't know for whatever reason seems to go unaddressed. Uh, I mean, blatantly. And while it becomes more and more mainstream, and you got some, you know, Charlemagne the God or a very popular radio host uh, from the Breakfast Club, one of the biggest platforms in the world, or uh, Tyson Fury, heavyweight champion of the world, and other people as well talking about mental health. It's becoming more and more of the conversation. It's being, it's almost being forced. It's one of those. It's almost being forced by the people. Uh, the mental health conversation, because we're realizing there's just, you know, especially with men, uh, just the uh, so many generations and, and just lifetimes gone by where it wasn't okay to have to show forward emotions uh, what, towards anything, you know, and just love towards your children, towards your spouse, open up to a brother or a friend and really talk about how you're feeling and the way things affected you. It's all, all relatively new, new things going on, uh, and, and throughout the country. And I mean, it's awesome that that stuff is happening, but we're to, we avoid that conversation and blame a lot of things on the fact that there's, there's firearms when a lot of times firearms, all the, all these legal measures that they want to talk about, and plus the price tag that's attached to it, uh, there's no way that that passes the house. It's because it's it's completely fucking insane, and very much taking away Second Amendment rights. You know, especially when you put the the price tag of all that to do all that to get all these people interviewed to do this background check to 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 put to create a registry to have you know it's going to cost you eight hundred bucks. Uh, you know, just to be put on the registry and then all the, all the man hours, all the government funds that would be to monitor this system and, you know, organize it and upstart some new, it, it's ridiculous. But when I think about a Biden Harris administration in now and the detriment that they have done to with gun laws, just say specifically gun laws, but they have treated uh, a lot of people unfairly throughout their uh, respective quote unquote, uh, political careers to date, uh, just done some wild shit and held a lot of people down and it caused a lot of, a lot of oppression and a lot of, uh, mis, mis injustice on people, people of color in the state of California and throughout the country between the both of them in recent years. And, you know, for first decades past, it's, uh, it's completely insane how we are allowed ourselves to govern because people don't get out there and, and do the proper research and get the, the pr proper people in charge. And we're just allowed to blatantly allow the corruption to continue. But what I'm saying about gun laws, when I look at this administration, when I look at what the government has done, the United States government, in 1934, they put a tax on rifles. Uh, any rifle that has a barrel under 16 inches is considered a short barrel rifle. And if you want to register your firearm, your 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 rifle as a short barrel rifle, it's going to cost you 200 bucks. Boom, passed uh, in law, been law since 1934. That's a lot of money in 1934. It's a lot of money in 2021. Uh, bullshit nonetheless. So if I got a 15 inch barrel, I got a short barrel rifle. But if I got a 60, if I got a 15 and three quarter inch barrel, that's that's illegal, but 16's okay. It's just just arbitrary. Trying to get a buck out of people. Uh, the idea behind it, 
1934. We're talking prohibition, just post-prohibition, dealing with you know organized crime units, the ability to conceal weapons. I get the government overreach. I get, I get it. It doesn't make it okay. I, yes, yes, I understand what you're saying. I understand your side, but that doesn't make it okay. Uh, as this time has gone on, you know, you can't, I mean, fast forward, let's, let's gloss over a whole bunch of time. Let's go to the Vegas shooter, biggest mass shooter incident in U.S. history, uh, modern U.S. history, uh, arguably where, where you define modern black wall street, um, was a huge, uh, massacre issue. A lot of people died that day. I think it, you know, but I think when you talk about one active shooter, I know there's conspiracy theories surrounding the Vegas shooter. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really subscribe to too many conspiracy theories, uh, unless I, unless I kind of come up with something that can make sense if I make up a story in my mind. But I generally, you know, r- recognize I'm talking shit. I'm just a fucking asshole aircraft mechanic, you know, slanging houses these days. I, I, I don't know. But when I look at, uh, uh, like the Vegas shooter, the largest active shooter in, in modern history, like something 56 people or 60 people die. He, he, he killed a lot of people. It's just a mass murderer. Like that is psycho shit. But supposedly he used a bump stock and the bump stock has been outlawed since. So from barrel length to bump stock, um, and you know, you know, Columbine, the the Colorado theater, Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. There's there's a, there's a lot of them. There's there's been there's been enough since uh, Kent State. Um, or where is it? Kent State or I can't remember. One there's one thing that happened where National Guard intervened and killed some students, and there was one I thought an an active shooter at a college sometime late sixties, early seventies. Well, I, I I can't quite recall, but but these shooter situations have happened nonetheless. And I think we're one big one away from getting another chunk of the Second Amendment taken out. And then we talk about this House Resolution 127. I yes, that's gonna get voted down. It's completely ridiculous. But the next one, this is just the first draft. It's just to get people eyes on this that's from uh Sheila Jackson Lee at a out of Texas, out of Houston. Um, she's, oh, fuck you. You're a terrible representative of this country. Just blatantly. I don't know how your constituents uh, voted you in. At that's, it's dirty. It's grimy. It's unethical. It is, it is so, so stomping on our rights as Americans. And when I look at, you know, the slow generational going after people's guns in this country. And it's only a matter of time before there's a big, big sweeping gun control act where they start taking them away. And registry is the first step to that. Well, just just like the fucking Nazis did. And I think there's, there's several other examples around the country as well. And when I look at uh, China, when I look at Myanmar, modern day people who cannot defend themselves against their government uh, who, who cannot rely on their government to come and help them. And I see the trend that we're going on where it starts with disarming it. Yeah, we're going to fuck with your barrel length and we're going to fuck with um, this little tiny thing on this rifle. Oh, and then we're going to work our way into, uh, oh, you're going to have a limitation on how many rounds you can carry. And then we're going to put a limitation on the way you can uh, hold it by design. And then we're going to limit more on the barrel length. They just do this shit slowly. And slowly and slowly to a point where, and it's just, if you just it, the telltale signs are there. That's how governments have operated for all of human history. And what it is about governments controlling people, I don't know. 
But that then that takes a turn to where our government can, I don't know what happens on the international footprint we have in all these countries, but it now gives our government all the firepower to control our citizens if they so choose. It's all like working away towards, you know, I don't know if it's a one government. Now we're talking conspiracies. I don't know if it's a town to like a one world government where there's control. If it's just complete control within here, we'll, we'll, we'll provide for you. You don't got to worry about a thing. We'll keep you safe by our military still doing these things overseas. Makes joining the military seem much a much uh, better option. The country starts turning that way to the, where the government is the one providing you and the military then starts getting all the advantages, just, you know, Korea, uh, plenty of other countries as well. North Korea, I should say, is, is designed like that. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, 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 you start having to dig very deep and there's so many variables and so many consequences and repercussions to when you start taking away agreed upon rights for the way the country were going to run. And it was, the country was started by a bunch of rebels who knew they, they, they overturned a government they, and they broke free of that government. And it ha- almost happened in this country as well. A, a group of citizens in the Civil War rose up and broke free of this country to defend themselves against a government they disagreed with. Now, while civil, I don't wish we go to any type of civil war, I would never, but with all the variables and you start trying to take a, weapons away opens up so much for the way things can change in the future and how your grandkids and great grandkids are going to be affected. For the most part, you're going to have three generations where it shits, you know, my parents myself my kids will all pr- probably be living pretty much relatively in the same same exact way and now from their kids my grandkids and their kids I don't know what's going to expect and that's why I feel it's so important for you know some type of uh, enlightenment of yourself and put together a, a betterment for the the people all the people by the people uh, f- and push back absolutely completely push back against all things that are unlawful or don't feel right or unethical. Take care of yourself and your household and others. Stand up for yourself as well as those who are unable to do so for themselves. I'm proud of my sister. I love, I love all y'all. I'm going to get up out of here. Everybody be cool. Check on a vet. And hug your loved ones. Chill. My beats because my nuts had them out. Burn holes in every pair of my jeans. I got a closet full of dirty hoodies. Smelling like weed. And I'm still looking for the way. Sometimes I just be drinking and I'm smoking all day. So please don't mind if I chill. I'm looking up to the heavens while I'm strolling to hell. What up? Half the shit I do, I know my wife and she hated. I got another tattoo, I know my wife and she hated. When I drink that loon juice, I know my wife and she hated. So I beat the pussy up every day, so amazing. Reality's a bitch, and I think I wanna ride her. Cause niggas is something, 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 something. Reality's a bitch, and I think I wanna ride her. Cause niggas is something, something, something.